Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Synesthesia. I am Enrico and here in the London studio with me is Amadeo. Hi Amadeo, how are you doing? Hi Enrico, all good here, all good. We have a great guy tuning in from Australia, the opposite side of the world. Mr. Jonathan Zawada. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Amen. Do you want to give a brief introduction uh, uh, about Jonathan to the audience? Absolutely. Um, So Jonathan is a multidisciplinary art director and visual artist who's worked with the best Australian music exports, artists of the likes of Flume, The Presets, Mark Pritchard, and most recently, The Avalanches. And in fact, he's here today to talk to us about um, this latest collaboration um, with a Melbourne duo who are dropping their brand new album, We Will Always Love You, in December. Jonathan, icebreaker first. How are you doing? How is life in Australia? Uh, life for me at the moment is, is pretty great. I think while uh, the rest of the world has been sort of adjusting to life in isolation, I think I started, got a head start on this and, and moved out into the middle of nowhere about three years ago and um, have just been sort of doing my usual thing. So not too much is different, which is, which is great. And uh, let's talk first about your background. We would like uh, to know how you chose this path and made it happen. I mean, how does one end up specializing in a creative consultancy and designs for musicians? Yeah, I think I never knew that this was a, a job at all, to be honest, when I started. And I, I never would have dreamed that I would end up doing a lot of what I'm doing and, and getting to work with the types of people I get to work with. Um, when I was in my teenage years, I was really interested in um, album cover design and, and sort of really went deep on liner notes and things like that. I was quite into music, but it didn't really occur to me that it was a job at all. Um, although at the same time, I was learning how to code and building websites for people and then also sort of designing T-shirts for friends who had um, hairdressing companies and things like that that were nearby. But it still didn't occur to me that it could actually be a job to start doing um, actual artwork for music, which is what I, I was really engaged by at the time. Um, it took a long time to go, I guess maybe about, you know, five to 10 years to sort of traverse the path from, from doing web design and animation, which is what I did in my high, in the end of my high school years and in my late teens, um, to sort of gradually meeting people who would ask me to build a website for their band and then they would like that and so then they would maybe ask me to come up with a t-shirt print for the band and then they might like that so then they would maybe ask me to come up with an idea for a cover and uh, a few lucky breaks with those sorts of things then you know the ball I think just kind of got rolling and um, it just has continued to get better and better ever since. We want to test uh, your memory. This is a surprise question. Can you remember the first cover you designed? 
Yes, the very, very first uh, cover I designed was for some guys I met at university. I never finished my uni degree, but I did go for six months and I met a couple of guys in a band who had just started a band that they called Uben. And I did a flyer for them because they were doing a club night and then they did a, a little EP or an album, I think, off the back of that. And I took a photo at the, on the steps of the Sydney Opera House, actually, of a couple of... Uh, girls walking up the steps just incidentally and ended up using it as the basis for the cover. Um, but that was the first real one. The first, but I made plenty of my own uh, covers for cassette, mixtapes of cassettes, and, and I, I made lots of my own covers for videos that I taped off TV of Björk and things like that as well. <laughs> so the first cover was a picture? Yes, oh. a photo, yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting at this point already, you kind of mentioned your, your background as a uh, coding and web design um, before, I guess, you went into fully fledged um, creative direction. So um, with that kind of background, how do you locate yourself in terms of your aesthetic taste, the kind of subcultures that have left the biggest marks on your production kind of all the way from the beginning throughout your journey? Yeah, it's been because it's been such a varied journey. I've never felt like I was part of any, I never intensely got, you know, into any scene or never felt like I was a part of any scene. And because, as you say, I sort of started doing a lot of this work from um, a more technical side, whether that was the programming and web design side or um, sort of even just a more production based side of things early on. Um, I didn't really feel like I was part of a, a scene or a, I, I didn't approach it from that side at all. I really just approached it from the individual personalities, I guess, that I was working with and the people that I was working for, um, which is a funny way to, to sort of come at it. And, and the longer I've been doing it, the more I feel that to be present. And occasionally I find that really concerning <laughs> as I feel like I'm probably quite out of touch with what's going on. But, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a funny little thing. So, uh, yeah, to, to say it in the shortest way possible, I guess I don't feel like I've ever really been part of any scene at all or part of any any real subculture. Although I did spend a good few years working for a record label here called Modular and they put out a bunch of different artists, including the Avalanches originally. I didn't get to work with them then, but um, they put out the presets and I, I worked on some Wolf Mother stuff when they put out that, that band's work and then a bunch of other bands as well so that that experience i think shaped me or at least sort of uh put me because i was doing so much work in that kind of electro clash space um which that label did a lot of work around in the you know, sort of early 2000s mid 2000s um they i think a lot of people sort of saw me as existing in that space um even though that was, wasn't really my scene necessarily so also this reflects uh, your music taste as well, meaning that you've been listening to everything from like uh, classical, jazz, uh, rap, punk. Uh, you don't feel like you belong to a specific genre. No, not at all. Exactly right. I think, you know, that that's pretty common nowadays, but I sort of was very proud of that in my late teens that I didn't really have a, a scene or an area that I was really represented by and yeah I jump around constantly in my music tastes and and sometimes feel quite frustrated that I don't get to work with like a math metal band or something like that which I love that music too and so I can sometimes get a little frustrated that I, I 
feel like I've slotted into electronic music for, for whatever reason. Um, and I love, really, really love electronic music as well. So that's not a bad thing. But um, yeah, my tastes definitely are all over the place. Can we describe the Avalanches uh, as an electronic music band? Yeah, I think so. People do. Okay, so maybe Ame has a question. Well, no, I, I was saying you you mentioned that obviously when you were working with Modular, um, the Avalanches were signed to the label and you didn't have the chance to work with them. And obviously they are also, I guess, you know, you're from both Australian. So how did this particular collaboration, um, the one that we're talking about during this podcast, come about then? Um, I think it, it really just came out of nowhere. Robbie from the band, uh, initially, I think my, my first little contact with them was uh, maybe a couple of years ago when somebody reached out from their label because they were reissuing Since I Left You and, and asked if I'd want to do a T-shirt print for that, um, which I did, and that went really well, and they were they were happy with the work. I'm not actually sure if the T-shirt ever came out or if even if that um, <laughs> release ever came out, but I, that sort of opened the door I guess and then out of the blue Robbie sent me an email uh, must be I guess it's probably a year and a half ago now saying that they were almost finished with this album and uh, they were keen to see if I would want to work on the artwork side of it with them um, so I was just ecstatic when I got that email I mean that was that was amazing to me since I left you was such an incredible formative album for me and, and played such a big part of my life at the time um, and you know and my family with my wife and stuff as well we've always big into them so it was super exciting to get that email and, and start that whole process going you were probably as ecstatic as us when you re when we received your email saying that you would have taken part in our podcast <laughs> so we know we know the vibe we know the feelings uh, how is it to work with the avalanches let's just say for the audience that the album title is we will always love you and it will be out in December, December 2020, but you already worked, I mean, the cover is visible on their Instagram, and also you worked on a lot of single covers. So how is it to work with the Avalanches? Yeah, it's been a completely unique process. I mean, every band that I've worked with has felt unique, but I think the Avalanches more than any other band, the process has been totally totally different to uh, as it would be with anybody else um as i said when they first emailed me a year and a half ago they sort of said that they were almost done and wanted to start talking about the artwork so i i kind of knew that i had a suspicion uh, from hearing from friends and, and working with people that work with them that they they work quite slowly and the process can take a lot of time so i suspected it, it wasn't immediately going to be ready but i maybe didn't expect it would take quite this long for it to come around but um beyond that the thing that has been so amazing at working with them is just how much depth of thought and um it, i guess their approach to the way that they've made the music and the emotion and the feeling and the themes and the ideas that they want to encapsulate in the music uh, just runs so, so deep and is so personal and so resonant with them that um, sort of as I've been working with them over the last year and a half on it, it's been just incredibly gratifying to get to, to work with people that really have something that they deeply want to say with a project and uh, are happy to 
sort of pursue any line of thought or um, any idea just to see where it lands and see where it ends up and without any pre-thought about exactly what, you know, there's no no concept of it being cool or uh, attractive in any way. It's really just driven by the ideas that they have that are at the core of the project. And um, I think that's been completely unique for me and really, really exciting and challenging and um and, and just has kept me wanting to do the best work that I possibly could to represent their ideas because they're so passionate about them. We can see that complexity in your artworks as well. I mean, we are big Avalanches fans, but also fans of your work. And uh, we want to know, how was the brief like? Yeah, the brief was great. I mean, the brief was possibly one of the best briefs I've ever had in my life. It was just a, a really personal email from Robbie talking about the themes he wanted to express in the album and, and sort of personal stories of him uh, and his life and how he had been processing these things over the last few years and, and how they'd manifested in some of these early ideas that he, he thought were present in the music that they were making and uh, as that was taking shape. So it was just a, the brief was just this really, really beautiful, op very open-ended kind of um, initial email with, it had sort of, some random cultural touch points of things that, that he felt like uh, represented it in some ways. But moreover, it was mostly just him talking about his own feelings about um, where, they were, where they were going with the music and what had been happening in his life and how he was wanting to sort of express that and, and deal with it. So, Would it be fair to say then that it was more kind of a, a, a series of emotions um, that they were talking about and then they kind of left the blank canvas for you in terms of aesthetically um, and also just I'll tag on to that so we can kind of um, mix it into the question. We're always curious to know at what point the music comes into play with you know these creative processes so presumably you were sent the music beforehand but how, how much do you listen to it before or after or during and you know how does the music play a part in your creative process hmm. yeah yeah getting i mean the music is is first and foremost for me in any of any project and with any musician and i just i really love getting music at any state and stage so uh with other bands that i work with i'll get you know 15 second tiny little drum loops that they're working on or you know little tiny samples as they're developing stuff that you know two years later may or may not end up on an album at all um but being part of that process i find really exciting and that was the case here as well where they sort of sent all the music that they had been working on all of the rough ideas most of which didn't have vocals and um were just sort of a feeling more than anything or an emotion um sort of been captured in the in the music in these sort of early demos and they sent those across right at the very beginning and then continued to kind of send me things as they developed, you know, over the, the course of the project so that uh, we could keep pace. And that was really, that's another aspect that made this project quite unique is that I was doing the same thing. And I think, yeah, the initial brief had expressed a lot of the emotions that they wanted um, to get across, but really the process of developing the artwork involved just as many you know it's just so much back and forth between us of just chatting about things more than anything talking about you know me sort of responding to the brief and to some of the songs with just thoughts not necessarily thoughts related to what the artwork might be but just sort of things that it triggered and um 
I, either filmic references that are, that popped into my brain and and or just uh, you know general feelings that that popped out and then we kind of just kept chatting about that sort of stuff and developing the brief more and more um, over the course of the project as the music evolved as well let's talk about the semiotics uh, of the covers the first thing that we noticed besides the amazing color choice is that you match natural elements with the typography is this the main um, theoretical feature of this project with the avalanches yeah it's really that's a tricky one so i think the i think at the point that we've um finally landed on the album cover that was possibly the maybe the fourth definitively final album cover so at probably four different stages throughout the project we we decided yes this is absolutely got to be it and then it, it turned into something else entirely the typography was something it was an idea i had at the very beginning though and that was um an idea that we thought would be you know i what i wanted to do was create something for them that i knew could be uh expanded out across a range of releases that at the time we had no idea what sort of form they would take or how many there might be or um any of those sorts of practical sort of concerns and i just felt like as a band and as the the kind of um you know even at an early stage the titles they had were so emotive that i wanted to somehow really embody the title in the work that we were creating um to represent things but throughout the process you know it, that was going to be the, the the main feature of the artwork and then sort of receded as other ideas came more forward and then came back again and so it's been a, a real uh, ebb and flow with that part of the concept um but it does seem to be the heart of it at the moment that, that sort of strings everything together would you be fair to call it a sort of a virtual summer of love 50 years later and on the opposite side of the world because the visual references that we noticed are like escaping culture, psychedelics, new age. Do you think it's like we are looking at your artwork well? Yeah, I think that's perfect. I mean, I, I thought some of those references were much more deeply buried than than that. I didn't think people would pick up on them so readily. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, one of the one of the first typographic references I had in my head for this was this incredible piece of illustrated typography. I I've never found out who it's from. It's just in my reference folder that that was the most beautiful hippie um illustrated type that said war on terror. So, I don't even know where that actually comes from, but um that that sort of 70s escapist uh, idea was absolutely at the core of a lot of what we were talking about the the general sort of uh trying to find freedom um is it was a huge driving force so i think you've read it perfectly yeah so we can say that the avalanches are the new grateful dead something like that 50 years yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, exactly. you didn't you didn't draw you didn't draw any bears any like uh, hippie bears uh, on the covers i haven't noticed <laughs> yeah, no 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 anyway not yet we have a question about uh, technology Yeah, so um it talks about inspiration. Let's talk more so about the tools you use and you know both on this project and and maybe we can broaden it to some of the others. We've noticed that you know we talked about typography, we talked about your um beginnings more in kind of web design and coding. What's the kind of favorite technology that you like to work with digitally, whether on artwork or videos or anything you've done? 
Yeah, it's I've, I I really swing around quite wildly with what my preference is, and as soon as I've done something for a little while, I tend to get to a point where I hate it and don't want to do it again. So, I mean, I think a lot of my work in recent years has been three D work. Um, I've done very little of that for avalanches, but although there, it does pop up here and there, and I've adapted some of the two D elements into three D as well. Um, and used a little bit of that. But it really is whatever is feeling right for the thing I'm trying to express. And I think that um, in this case, that you know, the hand, being able to draw initially all of the typography, obviously is digitally illustrated by the time it's done, but, um, you know, hand drawing, starting with something that I can hand draw and, and execute personally felt really appropriate for this. Um, having said that, you know, that the actual album cover itself is the image is the result of using two or three different pieces of software to kind of turn a photo into a sound and then turn the sound back into an image again and extract that image out of the sound file um, and then sort of running that through uh, another couple of pieces of 3D software to kind of give it some a sense of atmosphere and depth and, uh, and warmth to it um, through creating sort of artificial fogs and things like that. So there's, there's quite a heavy... Uh, and varied array of, of software involved in most of this stuff, even though it, it sort of aims to be a little invisible in this case. What's the, the thing in common between the single covers and the final album cover? Because we can see, as we discussed, that they are quite different. But in the narrative, in the visual element, in the story behind it, what, make, what brings them together? Yeah, so I think that the, one of the key narratives for the whole project, and which was something that came from the band initially and that I think we fleshed out as we were talking about their themes, was this idea of broadcasting sound um, into space. And this was something that was in the very first email that Robbie sent me, was this idea that the recorded voice or the transmitted voice that's broadcast ends up going out into space and sort of living on indefinitely and being immortal. And part of that then became this sort of discussion about how you turn sound into signal and how signal can become light. And, and the light essentially was representative of a spirit um, in a way. So that, um, you know, became a really literal part of the process behind making the actual album cover. Um, and, and when I sort of, a part of the other themes was uh, this idea when Robbie and I were talking about uh, the beauty of space and love and these sorts of themes, I re was reminded of the story of um, Andre and, and Carl Sagan who fell in love putting together the golden record for the Voyager space probe and and when i told robbie about that story he completely fell in love with it as well so that's where the photo of Anne then came from and then the process of literally turning her into sound and then back into image um and then in terms of the single covers i think that idea of trying to make the the illustrated typography feel um in a way like it was produced by light and coming out of the, the blackness, um, that it was a piece of, of light and a piece a sort of a signal in that way. And then sort of thematically, I think I was constantly referring in my brain when I was thinking of the actual forms of the letters, um, continually thinking of the graphics that were on that golden Voyager record as well and, and that they should sort of feel 
universal in that way. So there's a lot of natural imagery in there and, um, and then these sort of uh, universal human forms as well. It's been a pretty bleak year, so yes, the universe needs uh, light. Amadeo, do you want to tell our um, audience that at this point uh, it's going to be really curious to see these artworks like uh, IRL, for, uh, IRL or kind of IRL, where they can see Jonathan Zawada's uh, artworks? Yes, we uh, have our Instagram page for the podcast. It's synesthesia underscore podcast, and um, we're going to um, have a carousel of these different artworks so that you can obviously finally put these words into visual context, check them out uh, and put more of a context as to what Jonathan's been talking to us about and the backgrounds of the project. We will tag Jonathan so you will be able to find his page as well. I mean, his page is much bigger than ours, but still, if you don't follow him yet, you can go through his, to his profile through our page. And I hear the sound of the streets in the background now, like, you know, subway, that kind of sound that you don't normally hear in Australia where you are like uh, in between uh, the bush. It's time for our column, Word on the Street. Word on the Street. Ahmed, do you want to describe what Word on the Street is about? So um, we're going to ask uh, our guest, Jonathan, to talk to us about a current uh, cultural musical scene which you found particularly fascinating. Um, you know, in summary, briefly, but just to give us an idea of, you know, what it is that you find inspiring uh, that you come across as you, you know, go through reference works and find out new artists, new scenes, new movements. And you can mention nature as well, honestly, whatever you are finding inspiring at this moment. Okay, great. I mean, yeah, n nature is a perennial inspiration for me. I'm constantly uh, surprised by it and motivated by it. Um, and recently, especially now as the season is changing here, uh, we get this incredible bird song really early in the morning. I get woken up at anywhere from four o'clock onwards by just the most amazing array of birds. And, and just now as the season's warming up, the, the mix of crazy Australian birds is just unbelievable and I'm, I'm always floored by it so I've been trying to get into a habit of rushing out and recording those as much as possible and um, and even yeah in various ways kind of trying to capture that and then uh, use that as a something to refer back to later when I'm feeling like I'm lacking in inspiration um, yeah in terms of music I've been uh, I mean I, I think I, I have a hard time sort of finding the time to seek anything out. I, I kind of, between all the people I work with, I'm pretty um, spoilt in that I get sent a lot of music and, and then working on it as well. I sort of spend a lot of the day listening to it and so I don't have a whole lot of um, time left to sort of seek out my own stuff. But one band that I've gotten really excited about and that I, I have found really um, inspiring over the last few years, ever since I moved back from Los Angeles, was a very Australian band. They're now called, or some of the members reformed recently into a band called Tropical Fuckstorm. Uh, but before that, they were in a band called The Drones. And there's, it's just the most elemental, raw, Australian-sounding music. And I think when I had come back from Los Angeles, I hadn't heard the Australian voice very much and I hadn't heard 
that sort of rawness um, and and sort of roughness uh, very much while I was away. And so when I came back and heard this band, I was just floored by it. And then everything from uh, all of their artwork is incredible as well, which I think is all actually um, from a Canadian painter who's now deceased, but it's the most perfect representation of of the music that I've ever seen. I remember I got nominated for an album cover award a couple of years ago um, and it was the same year as one of their albums came out and I just thought that was evidence that the judges didn't know what they were talking about because this album cover was for the Tropical Fuckstorm release was just so perfect that that should have won for sure. It's a funny little scene. One of the main reasons why we are doing this podcast uh, is also to discover new music and new artists through you guys uh, who have like an amazing taste. So the, the next thing this morning after we record this episode is to check out this uh, band. And uh, talking about visual artists, uh, do you follow any contemporary artists uh, who you find uh, particularly interesting and will feel like recommending to our audience? One, one person that I can absolutely recommend, although his his output is fairly sparse but is a an artist called Harm Vandendorpel so Harm H A R M um and he does just really really incredible work and I've followed him for the longest time since my sort of roots more in programming and he he was doing originally code based art um and I think he still does mostly code based art as well but just the most deeply considered work, uh, really, really beautiful. And it, it just every time he does something, I feel like it's just from a, another universe entirely, a parallel world. We didn't know him either, so we're going to check him out. Thank you, Jonathan. Amen. So you, you, you talked about, um, to us a bit about um, contemporary inspirations. Um, how about we um, now take a jump and blast the past? Private Collection uh, basically takes us into your, I guess, private collection of inspirations. And we'd love to know about a record sleeve or a music video from the past that's left a particular mark on you, whether emotionally, or whether in terms of inspiration. Private Collection. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's one, there's sort of two two parts of the same thing, really, both record sleeve and a, and a music video that came out of the same record. Um, this whole album was just unbelievably huge for me, which was Björk's homogenic album. And I, I, this was totally out of nowhere for me. I think, uh, you know, at the time I was listening to very, very different music than that. And uh, when I discovered this, I was absolutely floored by it and, and totally obsessed by it. And I think probably for something like 10 years, I would listen to Homogenic at least once a week. Um, but the album cover itself was such a massive inspiration to me, especially in, t in terms of the physical form of it, which, uh, you know, the cover image was this beautiful portrait of her by Nick Knight and incredibly styled and manipulated and, uh, you know, the, just perfectly reflected the, the, the feeling of the music, the mixture of the electronic and the human um, sort of voice in the music itself. But the way the packaging it folded out as well, uh, totally blew my mind at the time they managed that on the cover she's wearing this silver dress and you can see this red lining on the inside of the dress and then the, the cover cd cover itself 
is printed on silver stock, but as you unfold it, all of the inners are the same blood red color. Um, and I think, you know, I uncovered the many layers of that meaning of that type of packaging choice gradually over years and years and years. Um, and I, I still refer back to that cover in my mind when I'm thinking about laying out cover artwork because I just think it was so completely perfect in she every way. She was uh, ahead of her time for her sound, but also her aesthetics. In fact, uh, now looking back at, at this cover, this cover could potentially be one of the coolest covers, uh, even if it was released in 2020. And it was this album was uh, from 1997. So we see exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, I completely agree. It's, I feel like it's... It's just so amazing that um, that nothing quite comes close to that for me as well. Um, and yeah, and I think one of the music videos, I mean, all of the music videos that she's done have been brilliant, but one off that album that constantly is in my mind is the one for Hunter where she's morphing back and forth between a polar bear. And I think exactly like you said, I, even to this day, I still think if I wanted to make that video now, I wouldn't know how to approach it and how to do it to such a high degree of beauty that they managed to execute that. And I, I can't believe it was made when it was made um, and, and done so well. Timeless artwork. It's time for our last column, very last column. It's called uh, Flavors, because in this case, we want you to recommend us uh, a local spot. You know that mm, with these, uh, all these... Um, COVID crisis, local shops have been suffering. So if you want to recommend the audience like a record store or a bookshop or a greasy spoon, any local shop you love. Flavors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so my, as I said, I live sort of in the middle of nowhere and there's not a great deal around me to recommend, but um, three hours away, <laughs> there's a big city called Brisbane, uh, which last time I was there, I stumbled into a store called Contra, which is essentially, a, I guess, a streetwear store, but they had a bit of everything in there from beautiful photography books and um, records and things to uh, just an incredible ray of clothing. And the guys that were running it were so generous and lovely and um, really passionate about what they were doing in there. Their taste was uh, really amazing. So that would be my recommendation for that. What's the name of this shop again? Uh, Contra, C-O-N-T-R-A. Okay, like the Vampire Weekend song. Contra. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> shout, shout out to Contra in Brisbane. If you guys are listening in Australia and uh, like uh, stop by Brisbane, uh, check out this uh, amazing shop recommended by Jonathan. And one last, um, how can I say, like a tip from you or flavor from you. If you have like uh, an Instagram page you want to share with the audience, it can be about memes as well or something like a Metavisions. Our uh, friend Amadeo here loves Metavision. That's uh, his favorite Instagram page. One page you love on Instagram. Okay, great. I'll, um, I'll have to look up Metavisions. Um, my, my Instagram recommendation for, me, for everybody, and this has been the same for about as long as Instagram has existed, is for a guy called Alpha Channeling. Who A L P H A Alpha Channeling? I who does really beautiful. I bought. Oh, you've got his book. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know he was a guy because it's impossible to figure out whether he's a guy or um or a woman. 
Yes, well, I met him once uh, in San Francisco, I think, and I, I yeah, I know it's a, it's kind of redundant rec- uh, recommendation now because he's so huge. But way back when, he had you know no follower. He had like a, a thousand followers or something when I first started following him. So it was a good recommendation then. But but yeah, now he's um he's massive. So it's a, it's a somewhat you, pointless recommendation. Can you describe? Can you describe his kind of illustration to our audience, please? Yeah, they're just incredibly delicate uh, erotic drawings, but really, really beautiful and um, and just just lovingly executed in quite a wide variety of styles as well. And I'm I'm so glad that Instagram hasn't shut him down. Um, so yeah, just one final reminder to our audience and our listeners that we um, are going to have a summary of. Jonathan's artwork, Jonathan's recommendations on our Instagram page, synesthesia underscore podcast. Um, and yeah, Jonathan, it's been a, a real pleasure speaking to you uh, today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, really um, very inspiring talk. We learned more about the Avalanche's uh, artwork and that's what we wanted. That's the goal of the podcast. And we talked about like life, music, uh, inspiration, anything really. So it was a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you guys so much. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, um, it was great for me. I feel like I'm part of the outside world again. So thank you. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.